Welcome to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times. I'm Stephanie Smittle, and I'm here with Omaya Jones. Hello. Today, we'll start by highlighting some arts and entertainment news. We'll also talk with Jen Gerber and Sunny Kay of Low-Key Arts about their upcoming film workshop, Inception to Projection, and how it fits with the mission of Low-Key Arts more broadly. But first, a few things we think you should know about. First off, there is some new music from Elise Davis, and it was premiered on Billboard this week. Uh, she's had the song around for a while. It's called Married Young, and it was the first Elise Davis song I ever heard, and therefore the first time I fell in love with Elise Davis's music. It's really um, a beautiful song to begin with, and it's just been given this lovely, lovely production. So check it out, Married Young from Elise Davis from her forthcoming album. There's also um, some new music from Brian Nolan called In the Old Days, so check that out. And we have to look forward to new albums from both Uniwa and Adam Fawcett, so we'll keep you in the loop on that. Also, the Arkansas Country Music Awards were on Monday night. Uh, Winners included the Zach Dunlap Band for Entertainer of the Year, Bonnie Montgomery for Roots Americana Artist of the Year, the Keisler Brothers Band for Bluegrass Artist of the Year, Corey Jackson for Country Artist of the Year, Aaron Enderlin for Songwriter of the Year, Randall George for Guitarist of the Year, and lots more, including uh, Tammy Tucker showed up and Colin Ray hosted. Um, really cool acknowledgement of sort of the richness of the country music scene here in Arkansas and um, many nods to its legacy. So check that out. Uh, the Arkansas Country Music Association. Uh, they check out their website for more. Also, a quick note. The Clear Channel Metroplex has closed operations and will evidently become a lumber one, uh, billed as the only indoor drive-in lumberyard in the state. Wait, what? Where is this? What is this? <laughs> the Clear Channel Metroplex is a venue that's been uh, booked by some of the people that uh, were booked to have booked at Juanita's in the past. Okay. So they have Beach House here, um, just a, a number of really cool shows over the last few yeah. years, and they're going to cease that. We'll have more information uh, on that soon, so stay tuned. And also we want to make note of the new Jeff Baskin Fellow at Oxford American Magazine. His name is Micah Fields. Fields replaces uh, the outgoing Molly McCulley Brown, an already very accomplished poet and essayist in that role. So Micah will receive the $10,000 living stipend designed to support the writing of a debut book of creative nonfiction. Uh, He'll get housing and an editorial apprenticeship with the Oxford American toward a nine-month residency. So welcome, Micah. Look forward to reading your writing. And we will be back with Jen Gerber and Sunny Kay of Loki Arts talking about their upcoming film workshop, Inception to Projection. That's all in a minute. Welcome back to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times. I'm Stephanie Smittle. I'm here with Omaya Jones, as I am every week. And today we have Jen Gerber and Sunny Kay, who are working on Inception to Projection with Loki Arts. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. <laughs> and so uh, Inception to Projection is a, a film workshop, right? And as implied by the name, you're taking people like step by step all the way through the process of making a film. And you started this week. Like you're in it right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the middle of it. How's it going? It's going really well. 
Yeah, it's um, yeah. We had day one on Tuesday, so tonight is our second class, um, and just you know, starting to go through the fundamentals of storytelling. And tonight, everyone pitches their first ideas, and in three weeks, they'll be shooting them, and then we'll be screening them by the end of the summer. So it's a quick process. So without giving any, away any trade secrets, uh-huh. what is day one? Like what? Like what do people get when they first show up? Um, you know. It's for me. It's really important to set sort of the tone and the climate for the class. It's getting to know everyone in the in the in all the students because eventually they're going to be making their films together. They all crew on each other's projects, mm-hmm. and so it's really important to me on that first day to actually break the ice to get to know everyone to really find a common ground. Like, why are they all here? What kind of story do they want to tell? And how can we all help each other accomplish our goals? So uh, the first day is a little for me about getting there, and really for me as a teacher, getting to know them as students like what they want out of the process so I can help them accomplish their goals. And then we start to go through storytelling. Like what is the story? Um, when they're looking for ideas, what is in an idea that makes it a good film? Um, and then tonight we'll start to break down those ideas and try to translate them into a screenplay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been involved with the project? So I think this is my, I think this is my sixth time to teach it. Um, so uh, quite a bit, almost five years. And um, when I first started with Inception to Projection, they were all making group films. So they would make, as a class, one or two films all together. And, um, and I've kind of changed it since then so that every student makes their own project. Um, I'm sure all, any one of us that have been part of a group project, mm-hmm. there's usually one or two people that sort of take the lead and everyone else is struggling to find their place. And I, you know, I saw this talent that I wanted to see what each student in the class would do if they had the chance to make their own film. And so then I've adapted it to that format and it's stayed that way ever since. So when people come and take this class, and it happens at Low Key Arts, right? Mm-hmm. 118 Arbor Street? No. Or do you do it elsewhere? Uh, it's very close to there. It's almost across the street at the ASMSA. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're using their facilities this time. Um, but we've done it in the past at Low Key Arts, yeah. so it, it's kind of whatever works for the program. When they come there, so just just break it down for me. Like mm-hmm. when they come there, are they uh, do they come with like this is my dream film that I've had in my pocket forever, and now I'm going to make it, or do is there an element of it that you encourage them to kind of start from scratch and build a new idea? For me, it's always better if they don't have an idea. Uh-huh. Um, the the assignment I gave them this week, which I think was terrifying, we'll see how they responded, was to write 100 ideas in, the, mm-hmm. in an hour. Just like put everything on paper and then see what is the best of, of that. Because often when they come into the class with this film that's very, unless they've had a great filmmaking background, they don't really, you almost spend more time fighting that idea than finding an idea that's better for a film unless I really know how to some some people naturally think cinematically but a lot of people don't sort of like old habits are hard to break yeah exactly and so it's I think it's better to start to say like okay here's what you're looking for in an idea now go go searching and then come back and we'll see which is the strongest of everything you came up with so but you know some people do have great ideas that start off and then you work with them too like it's just totally individual but I love, like, this class is all beginners. Everyone there is making their first film ever, um, which is, I've never had that before, which is really cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Sunny, when we, we were sort of talking about getting you in here to talk about Inception to Projection, it occurred to me that in some ways your background in design and visual art may maybe do you think that means that this feels like home for you because you're kind of already a person who thinks about like framing a scene or framing a picture yeah i 
I think, um, well, we haven't really gotten into it yet, so it all seems pretty abstract to me right now. But I, I agree with what you're saying. I think I think tend to think visually, and I think um, I, it's my instinct suggest says to me that I'm probably going to enjoy that aspect of that. I'm actually taking the class this time. I'm not. You know, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, student, I'm one of these first timers. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. <laughs> so um, I think that, yeah, setting up shots and des- des- doing sort of production design aspects of it, I think will really appeal to me. And, and um, I feel like I have a, you know, I've developed a kind of eye for certain things to do with that. Um, but having, having, you know, with that in mind, like I don't, everything else about this is completely foreign to me. I mean, I've even worked on film productions before, but I've never written anything like this, and I've never, I've never, you know, conceived of a story that's then become a film or anything. And so, um, right now, it really feels like a monumental thing that's right in front of me that I somehow I'm gonna scale in the next couple of weeks, and I'm not really sure how. What was what was one of your 100 ideas that you're not, <laughs> the one, one of them that you're not going to use? That I'm not going to use. Because you can't give away. I mean, I presume you won't tell well, us. Well, uh, no. Right I, here, I, I now. certainly haven't decided on anything yet. But um, uh, I was largely just riffing on real life things because I've had a lot of adventures in life, uh, touring with bands and that kind of thing. And so a lot of it was to do with that. And they weren't really even ideas that I think would necessarily be, apply themselves that well to this class because I think they require too much production and too many people. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this actually, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> but um, oh, I, I mean, the, f- the first thing that comes to mind is uh, a band being on tour. Uh, this actually really happened. We were on tour in Spain and we um, l- forgot somebody uh, at oh, a rest great. stop. Mm-hmm. We all got back in the van and, and drove off and left in there for hours and hours. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. uh, and this was in the era before phones and cell phones and uh-huh. stuff. So by the time we realized it and got back there, I mean, she was hysterical. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So would that film be from her point of view? That's a good question. That is a good question. I don't know. And that's the thing, like, for me, like, part of the whole 100 ideas thing that's been difficult is, like, it's really easy to just, um, and and I know this is part of the exercise and part of the point of it, but, like, it's really easy to come up with an idea that's that's an event, but I feel like a film is a story that has a resolution Mm -hmm. and resolving, coming up with something, especially riffing on real life things that has a, a resolution that would be satisfying in the context of a film is actually harder than than you'd think at least for me like mm-hmm. you know i definitely could not come up with a hundred ideas <laughs> unless like i was going to settle with 99 of them being totally unusable yeah yeah that's that's a great exercise yeah i think you could come up with 100 ideas it's, it's one of those things that sounds really daunting at first but i think that i think so it kind of what you were saying earlier. Sometimes when people have like a first idea, it seems really precious to them. But yeah. part of the hurdle is just getting over the idea that it's the, your, your your only good idea, and yes. that once you get through that, then you, there's like this whole world of possibilities opens up. And I think you can also part of the exercise is like finding something that maybe doesn't sound like it's a good idea, but there's something in it right. that you can make work for you. Right. Yeah. And that's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, I have So I did this exercise. I'm stealing it from my grad school experience. We had to do it on our first day of grad school. And I think most people co- came into the program and like, I have this movie I'm going to make at this school. And all of us 
quickly realized that we had no idea what we're doing and we're so, sort of leveled in the sense that like we have a lot to learn and this exercise of writing 100 ideas I realized it was kind of what you're saying I had to throw out my first idea and then I was like what do I have beyond that that's the thing I came here to do um, and then in doing this exercise you realize there's a lot of ideas in your head and then you're going to be for the rest of your life on a search for stories and realize that you've already been carrying around way more than a hundred you're just going to spend a little focused time kind of shaking those out you know and then hopefully as a filmmaker as a storyteller you're going to continue the search for stories and people and moments and then and it's true like real life doesn't have real resolution real life doesn't always have meaning like these events in our life don't always have like the meaning that we want like art or a film to have and that's where the filmmaker gets to step in and say okay well this is what this event meant to me and here's what, how I'm going to sometimes you write a resolution that didn't happen because you want to tell a story that has that you know ending um, so it's true it is tricky especially if you are writing from real life experiences because then you have to see it as a f piece of fiction not not a documentary right. um, and that's where that actually can be challenging too when you're stuck on like writing something that you know really well and you know how it happened. You have to like, okay, but what if, yeah. you know? And then the task maybe is to decide like what parts of the story are like, no, it has to happen this way. And uh -huh. then what parts are like, it really doesn't matter if it's Spain or what, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, Omaya and I were talking before you guys got here about the history of like <laughs> music in Hollywood and how uh -huh. some people would argue that like everybody's stealing everything from Wagner or reacting to him or, mm -hmm. uh, and then the idea came up that there's, there are all these ways in which um, the history of film is like just people, just that people borrowing from one another the same way people do in art and music and theater. Yeah. Um, do you find that it's difficult to uh, talk people down off of like the impulse that everything has to be completely original, right? Like that? Yes. That it's okay to just be like, this happened to me in real life and I'm just gonna write that story. Yeah, I've actually we didn't talk about this in our first class, but it usually comes up in the first class. It's sort of this fear of being cliche, um, and and I have come to the belief in my as a teacher and as a filmmaker that if you're if you're aiming. If, if you let the idea of being cliche like get in your way, you're gonna trip over. Because really, every story's been told, and like if you're trying to be like so original that you're gonna say something, tell something that's never been told, you're gonna really struggle. Mm -hmm. um, but I try to encourage students to not worry about being cliche, but just being honest. And if there's something truthful, even if we've kind of seen it before, if there's something that's specific and truthful in your desire to tell the story or your intention, that it won't feel cliche. And I think often what feels cliche is that we're mimicking something we've seen before. Mm -hmm. That in the once you are in the realm of mimicking, you're no longer creating from a place of like a, a, a personal reason to make that work. So I think that's where like you do kind of have to acknowledge like the work that's out there that might be referential to what you're making, but then sort of come back and say like, well, why am I making it? What's my truth in this story? And and then sort of put all that stuff aside and just go for it. You know, what's I don't know if that the, answers your question or not, but yeah. Totally, you know? yeah. What, what's the pace of it? Like, like you're getting to this finished product, right? Like everybody's gonna come out with a film. Uh -huh. And then is that usually kind of scrambly toward the end or? Um. I think, well, we'll see how this group does. Um, I, I find the week before we shoot is pretty hard on everybody um, because 
they're wanting to make last minute changes on their script. As they're changing it, they're casting, they're confirming their locations. Maybe they just cut a location out of their story, then they have to go find, you know, like there, there is a bit of a scramble that week before you shoot. Um, and then once it's shot, I find like once we show up on the day of the set, it's very like organized. They sort of, it sort of comes together. Um, and then after that, the post-production process isn't as much of a scramble, but it's, it is hard. I, I always, try to prepare students for the post-production blues because you have these like grand ideas of what the film is that you're going to make and then you sit in this dark room and look at this footage and you're like it's not what I hoped it would be and you have to sort of re-meet your footage and be like what did I actually shoot instead of what I thought I was trying to shoot you know and like Mm -hmm. there's this moment where you have to come to terms with what you did and then once I get past that it it's like then they're on a role and then they're making the movie and then they can't stop rewatching it and it's like this really cool transition that happens in the lab in the lab and I watch every student go through that like that's and myself too it's normal it's normal um but yeah the week before production is going to be the craziest one just because everyone's trying to get because we'll make 11 movies in the class in two days so <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. dizzy. It's crazy, yeah. I've done it before. I've taught this program. I've kind of adapted it from a program I used to do in L.A., and I've had up to 25 students make each make a film in one day. So I've, I've definitely – I'm pulling from a model I've seen work before, but it's it doesn't mean it's easy. It's just – it means they have to sort of mm-hmm. really be prepared on the day, which they do come. Yeah. So you're, you're like a producer for all of them, essentially? I, I end up being – a bit of a producer or like an assistant director, like keeping them on schedule. Um, one thing I've added this last two last year, which I think helped the program. So I used to be a professor at UCA and we use a lot of their equipment, but I now bring in students um, from the school to actually help on the production so that there's someone to shoot and just help like ease the technical side of it. Cause they can only learn so much and if the, I I found that the films really suffered when the students were having to like master the camera and master storytelling at the same time so I've just supplemented more technical support on the set so that when they're and that I found that really helped the process so they could just focus on their actors and their shots and telling the story because that's enough that's already way way more than they need. And if they want to shoot, they're welcome to, but they still will have someone there that's like checking the focus and making sure some of those technical settings are right. Cause that's where you get in the la- back in the lab and you're heartbroken cause your favorite shot was out of focus. And that's only cause you're just learning the technology. And so I try to avoid that now. So I've, that's one change we made. Yeah, I can see where coming in as a student and like having such control over your, your idea, then you would want to maybe almost control Maybe I should say I would almost <laughs> want to control all of it. And yeah. then you have to like let a lot of that go and be in other people's hands, right? Which is real. That's how films are made. Yeah, if you look at any film credits, there's hundreds, right, of people. So, Jen, you are pretty uniquely qualified to teach this class. And can you talk a little bit about what you're doing when you're not doing Inception to Projection? Yes. Um, Well, it's been a busy year and a year of a lot of change for me. Um, Because in this last year, um, I finished my first feature. So this time last year, I was in LA, like literally coloring and doing post-production sound on my feature. And um, and, because it premiered in LA last July. Um, And I've spent the year on the festival circuit getting that film into the world. And now it has distribution. You can watch it online and at home. Um, So that's been kind of one aspect of my life this year. I've also, around the same time, 
last summer I became the executive director of the Hot Springs Documentary Film Festival. So I'm now running that organization and, you know, building it up and, you know, from fundraising to hiring the staff to curating the films, um, planning the parties and the programming. So that's now, you know, we're about six, not even quite, a little less than six months away and it's it's picked up really fast. This is the time, because we make all of our decisions by August. So I have like two months to sort of finish our programming. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. A question about your film. So I saw it at Kaleidoscope. Oh, you did? Uh Oh, cool. And one of the things, I don't know if you talked about it a lot, but and the time that it premiered in LA and the time that it filmed the kaleidoscope, you cut the ending. Yeah. Like you changed it. Uh-huh. And what was that process like? And is that something that you talked to them about how you can do things in editing when you're teaching these classes and things? Well, I've learned a rough lesson about that. So you saw, you, you guys were the only audience that will see that alternative ending. Um, so it turns out we, we ended up selling the film not too long after mm-hmm. that, and the distributor wanted the original ending. So that's the original, the version okay. that's out there. Um, but there's a part of me that actually has missed that the ending that screened that night. Um, but it does show, you know, in that case, like what, how, with, with it was basically cut out two shots and we totally changed the story. Um, that that's really what editing is. It's mm-hmm. like you're you're sequencing these images together to become the story, and it doesn't take much to completely rewrite it. Um, and they say you write a film three times. You write it when you write the script. You write it when you shoot, and you write it in the edit room. And that's certainly like rewrote rewrote the ending not with new shots but just how we ordered the shots at the end um but yeah so if you were to buy the dvd the, there's a the alternate ending is on there but uh otherwise no one will ever know yeah except for you <laughs> <laughs> i think that was a, there were there were quite a few people that were there in that screen i think that was, was sold a, out it was right? a pretty packed yeah, yeah it was mm-hmm. good it's it good uh and then so the Hot Springs Documentary Film Festival is also team partnering with uh, the ACS for a screening this yes. month. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited about it. Um, so on June 30th at the Ron Robinson, we'll be screening this film, Generation Wealth. Um, and I am obsessed with this film. I saw it at Sundance this year, and it just took my breath away. I am already have been a fan of the photographer Lauren Greenfield for many, many years. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she has several photo books that she's released over the last 25 years. And this film studies these subjects that she's been following for 25 years, because she's also been filming them as she's been photographing them. So she has like amazing range of footage. Um, And it's all about characters who are obsessed with beauty, wealth, and fame, and sort of seeing how that drive towards those things, like how the effect it has on these individuals um, pursuing beauty, wealth, and fame, and like basically how you can self-destruct under that that pursuit. Um, and what I particularly love about it is she puts herself in the film, which sometimes doesn't work. But in, as a filmmaker, she's saying how she's she saw parallels with her own obsession with her art that she saw in herself as similar to the subjects she's filming. Had to sort of come to terms with her own obsessions too. So um, it's inter- it's really good. I, I can't wait for the people to see it here. Yeah. So I think the trailer for Generation Wealth is out there, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll link to that on this blog post and then uh, give, you, give our listeners the details of how to attend. That's awesome. Yeah, and Lauren will be here for the it's Q&A, exciting. so that'll be really special. It's exciting. Yeah. So tell our listeners, too, how they can uh, find out more about Inception to Projection and the other stuff that Loki Arts does. It's a pretty broad spectrum of things. Sure. <clears throat> well, um, our website is uh, lokiarts.org. And um, there are brief synopses on there of all the programs that we that we 
do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's five major things that we do. There's uh, Inception of Projection and then Arkansas Shorts in January, which is, um, you know, lar- largely a showcase for the Inception to Projection work. Uh, and then other films from Arkansas and some from elsewhere in the world, um, short films. Ah, um, so the stuff that we see at Arkansas Shorts l- largely comes from Inception to Projection? Is that right? So every film that goes through Inception to Projection screens at Arkansas Shorts. Okay. Yeah, and then we do a call for entries for other Arkansas films that are all under 10 minutes. And the last two years, we've added an international block and a North American block. And those are curated screenings of some of the best films around the world. Um, so we have three different screenings that happen. Yeah. And um, in addition to that, so we also do the two music festivals, Hot Water Hills and Valley of the Vapors. And um, what's the fifth thing? What am I forgetting? is terrible. That sounds right. Holder Hills, Valley of Vapors, Arkansas Shorts, Inception, Projection. That's it. No, there's a, there's a, there's a missing fifth piece at Lucky Arts. Yes. Oh my gosh. What the God. This is so, this is so insane. I must be nervous. I'm on the spot. I don't, um, I don't know. Those are the ones I'm, I guess it's just Loki Arts, the venue. The I'm, venue. I'm, I've been tinkering yeah. with the website too recently. And so I'm just like thinking in categories from that. Um, yeah, we have Loki Arts, the venue, um, and we also do um, occasional uh, pr- productions around Hot Springs and other venues. Um, but all that stuff is featured on our, on our website. Um, and if you go to our Facebook page, um, there's a lot more in-depth information about this particular um, Inception to Projection program and a scholarship fund that we've offered this time. Um, of course, the class has already started now, so it's largely next year redundant mm-hmm. information. Yeah. But um, yeah, there is um, there is a lot to read about it. Great, thank you so much, John yeah. Gerber and Sunny K for My being pleasure. here. This was so fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun, and we will be right back. Welcome back to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times, and we're going to do some recommendations. Do you have a recommendation of mine? Uh, I do. So tonight at the Butler Center, tonight okay. at the Butler Center, okay. is the 2018 Delta de Refuse exhibition, okay. which yeah. is a counter to the annual uh, Delta exhibition at the Art Center. So it's an exhibition made up of over 100 artists whose work will be on display, and they're artists who were or did not get into the Delta. So it's usually, it's a pretty cool thing just to see sort of like what didn't get in, you know, and just like sort yeah. of get an idea of like what else is out there regionally in terms of artists. Um, and it's more specifically, it's at the Cox Center, the third floor gallery, and it'll be up from June 8th until August 25th. Uh, and to, and tonight is yeah. the reception. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. Delta de Refuse. And then that's kind of, like a riff on Salon de Refuse, right? Like yeah. the um, the idea of mm-hmm. being like outside of this category of acceptable art because there's the Delta exhibition and then these are the ones that were not accepted, but they're probably pretty proud to be in Delta de Refuse, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's cool. kind of a, yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sweet. You have a recommendation? I do. I'm going to suggest that you go... Uh, Saturday night to the Whitewater Tavern and catch Sean Fresh, the crooner, city crooner, 
uh, with BJ Soleil, Southwest Boaz, and L Smooth. It's going to be sort of um, like all-star lineup of hip-hop. And then one thing I really love about uh, Sean Fresh is he's, you know, in addition to like the spoken voice part of the hip-hop, he'll just throw this complete like straight up Sinatra style, you know, smooth R&B kind of crooning in with it. Um, really charming on stage, really fun to listen to and uh, always puts on a good show. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. Sean Fresh, Saturday night at Whitewater Tavern. And you have a move for the week. You know what? That actually was my move. Oh. Uh, I, I got momentarily confused. So so let me sit, let me clarify. That's my move, right? Okay. That's the move, Saturday night. And then my recommendation is uh, this Instagram account that I came across called Design Boom. One word, Design Boom. And uh, I'll link to a couple images okay. uh, on Instagram, right? Did you see any of this? No. Kind of wild stuff. Some of it is real. Um, just real beautiful uh, photography of architecture and bizarre places in the world, uh, things that are visually very arresting. Mm -hmm. And then some of it is digital uh, manipulation. So uh, they're, they'll take a photograph and, and well, manipulate it, right? So that mm -hmm. it's um, animated or, or does something wild. And I love it because it's weird and beautiful and it scrolling through that Instagram account always gives me a um, sort of a shift in perspective, right? So a lot of things are about framing things in a, in a way that you don't typically see them that are very unusual. Oh yeah. And there's Design. some cool like animated buildings and, um, oh, that's really cool. It is really, really, uh, really an amazing <laughs> part of my, uh, social media feed and probably the biggest reason I'm on Instagram. I love they juxtapose animation with real live people. Mm -hmm. They take buildings and yeah, animate the buildings. It's um, it's just a collection of really talented graphic uh, visual designers that I think is worthy of your attention. Design Boom, check it out. Cool. And this has been No Small Talk, uh, week number 19. Thanks for hanging with us and we'll be back next week. Mm -hmm.